genes, health, and spirituality. What's the connection? There's, one, there's a famous statement from Ellen White that helps us understand this connection. In this, in this statement, and, uh, in the book, Lift Me Up, written by Ellen White, she answers this question that I hear so oftentimes in my practice, this, this, this statement that oftentimes we're tempted to use, and that is, but I've got bad genes. It's familial. I inherited this predisposition. I inherited my attitude, my emotions, my physical and spiritual disabilities. The statement by Ellen White is this. It took more than 2,000 years of crime and indulgence of base passions to bring bodily disease upon the race to any great extent. Imagine that. No apparent consequences for our behaviors for over 2,000 years. Well, there were consequences. There were deadly consequences. But in terms of the, the vitality of the human body, there were not apparent consequences. But she goes on to say that if Adam and his creation had not been endowed with 20 times as much vital force as men now have, the race, with their present habits of living in violation to natural law, would have become extinct. Now, let's just ponder the implications of this statement. This is a fantastic statement. It's essentially saying that even the best amongst us right now, even the healthiest amongst us right now, retain barely 5% of the vital force of the health potential that God originally endowed in Adam and Eve at creation. In other words, there's very little for us to brag about. Even those of us that think and feel like we're so much healthier than other individuals, we are still but a mere reflection of what God really intended for us. But praise God that that is going to be available to us again sometime soon. Amen? So there is a significant debilitation that we are currently experiencing. Are we predetermined? Well, in, in that respect, we definitely are predetermined. We have lost 95% of our health and healing potential so far. But thanks to God, we have a ministry of healing model. Our church has been given a health message that is a ministry of healing model for re-engineering genetic risk. Yes, we all have genetic risk. We have now moved in to the paradigm of genomic medicine. We now, for $99, can order a saliva test that, that decodes hundreds and hundreds of genes that allow you to get a report a month later that shows you where 
multitude of mutations lie in your own personalized genome. Understanding where those mutations are can, uh, interpreted properly can dramatically help a clinician guide you in how you can actually bypass many of those mutations and how you can overcome the impact, the debilitating influence of those mutations. It's a powerful new paradigm. In the last 10 years since the Human Genome Project was completed, we now understand genes in a whole different light. You see, genes in and of themselves do not primarily determine our health. It's the expression of the gene. It's the factors in our lives that influence the expression of the gene, the function of the gene that really determines our health. So we're, we need a new model, a model that looks at transforming sickness into health, how we can achieve optimal health. And that model has been given to us many, many years ago. We just need to appreciate it and take advantage of it. I've had the privilege over the last uh, decade to work with my parents, Drs. John and Millie Youngberg, in, in a nonprofit health ministry called Win Wellness. It's, it's, a, it's a ministry designed to, to be able to be used in any church or clinic setting to promote exactly what we're discussing today, and that is the ministry of healing model. All the factors, not just eight natural remedies that are very powerful that set the stage for what we call the traditional biologic factors, but all the social factors as well, and also the mind-spirit, the inner strength factors that involve hope, that involve trust, forgiveness, joy of service, but ultimately love. And it is the book, The Ministry of Healing, that shares with us, that opens up before us the, the beauty of our health message. It, it's, it's a book and a message that can attract anybody, any sincere person, no matter what their background is, can be attracted to this amazing healing power of God. But the core of it must be love. Um, if you're interested in this, uh, Win well, there's a Win Wellness booth uh, in, in the exhibition hall as well in the 500 section. So, the, essentially, we're looking at the good news about turning good genes on and bad genes off. Turning good genes on and bad genes off, that provides hope for us because many people still are living on the old paradigm, this idea that our genes control our destiny. They influence our destiny, but the good news is that we now recognize from medical science that these genes can be changed. And so it's all about learning how to master our genetic risk. Just a few days ago, I was reading in my devotions, and I came across Genesis 4. In Genesis 4, this story is, is, uh, of Cain is angry. Cain is angry because God did not accept his sacrifice. You know, he was the, he was the first great gardener. And he said, I don't want to bring a lamb to sacrifice. I want to bring my vegetables 
and that will be my sacrifice from my toil. God had commanded one thing, but he had come up with a better idea to, to sacrifice his vegetables. So Cain is angry, and God himself comes down and confronts Cain and says, why are you angry? If, if you would have done what was right, would not have you been accepted? But if you do not do what's right, Sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Unfortunately, like many of us who are challenged by God to master those desires, to master that genetic inheritance that we all have, Cain decided to reject God's call and do it his own way. And we know the rest of the story. So how can we more effectively follow this ministry healing model to master our own genetic destiny? Well, we have over 20,000 genes. It used to be thought that there was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of genes, but, but now within, in the last 10 years, we recognize that it's closer to about 20,000. How do these genes work? A an amazing study done by Dr. Dean Ornish some years ago actually looked at this question. Can we change the way our genes work? And, and the study essentially was done, uh, done by Dr. Ornish showed that in a three-month time, by checking genes at the beginning of the study and three months later, a dramatic transformation occurred. Essentially looked at individuals, men, who had early prostate cancer. And at, once they were established that they, they had the baseline genetic samples at the beginning of the study, they put these, these men with prostate cancer on a plant-based diet, on moderate exercise, a, a comprehensive stress management program, and a weekly group support session pretty basic. This isn't, this isn't as anywhere as comprehensive as, as the ministry of healing model, but it looked at some core important aspects of it. After three months of this program, well, let's look at the beginning of the program. 48 disease-preventing genes that had been turned off at the beginning of the program were now turned back on. Like a dimmer switch, these health-promoting genes were much more active now. But 453 genes, which were well known to promote disease, like breast cancer or prostate cancer and other diseases, that had been turned on at the beginning of the study were now all dramatically, dramatically turned back towards the off position. Three months. You see... There is real power in lifestyle medicine. I believe that that can happen in just weeks. When we make good choices, dramatic things happen. Let me tell you something that happened recently uh, to a good friend of ASI. Tom Zapara had, had been interested in, in the book Goodbye Diabetes. He was eager to have that done so he could share it with people that he knew that had diabetes. 
and at the age of 89, he, he decided that he, maybe he should read the book himself so that he could better help others who had this problem. So as he read the book, he became convicted that maybe he should do some testing on himself. How can we really be optimally healthy if we're not, if we're not testing, if we're not becoming aware of what our particular risk might be? And so, so he called me up and we set up, uh, we, we ordered comprehensive tests that are outlined in detail in the book Goodbye Diabetes. A couple weeks later, we sat down in my office in Temecula and we started going over them. And, and Tom Zappara was shocked to discover that he had out-of-control diabetes himself. But you know, as anybody who has a keen interest in successful business enterprises, he immediately cut to the chase. He says, what do I need to do? He was the chairman of the board. He understands that, that each person to be successful has to be the chairman of the board of his own health or her own health. And so he interrupted me. He says, tell me, just tell me exactly what I need to do and I'll do it. Do you know that just seven weeks later, a week before his 90th birthday, he had already reversed his diabetes. All the tests that clearly showed he had diabetes at the beginning of the seven-week period were now completely in the non-diabetic range. He had never been on any medicines for diabetes because he initially took the initiative to dramatically transform his health. But it first required an awareness of his risk, and secondly, it required an awareness a hope that it could actually be reversed. He wouldn't have put any effort into it if he didn't think he could reverse it. And so now if you see Tom Zappar in the hallways this week, and you can congratulate him. He's lost 40 pounds. He is essentially 25 years younger than he was last year. So, uh, so it's, this is something that's available to everybody if they embrace the concepts, the larger concepts that are available to each of us through the ministry of healing model. And it happens through what we call epigenetics, which are the factors that affect the way genes work independently of the genes themselves. Yes, we can't change the gene, but we don't have to. All we need to do is change the way the gene works. That's how God works through us, is to change the way they work. So do you have hope? We all have hope. Now let me give you a great example of hope. Some years ago, I was working with a, a professor. In fact, he was a chairman of a, of a department at a, at a regional university. And uh, he he had actually been in charge of the graduation proceedings and he had collapsed on stage. Fearing that he'd had a stroke or a heart attack, he's rushed to the hospital. Uh, a few days later, his internal medicine physician had a very stern discussion with him and, and he said to him, if you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't change your, get your health risk under control, you're not going to live more than two years. He already had stage four chronic kidney disease. His diabetes was out of control. Many other health problems. The very next week, he enrolled in an intensive lifestyle medicine program at our clinic. 
Within two weeks, his kidney function had improved by 50%. He started getting excited. He started recognizing that there is hope. This is not just some, some routine I'm going through to make myself feel better. This is something that is actually making me healthier and, and preventing my early demise. So he would go home where his elderly mother lived with him and, and start sharing with her what he's learning and how he's, he's actually reversing his diabetes and his heart disease and his kidney failure. And his mother, who also had diabetes, didn't want to hear anything about it. And he would come back to our group sessions and, and, and share with us this, this concern that he had for his mother that here he's, he's experiencing so many of the benefits of this ministry healing model, but his mother will not hear anything about it. She, she would walk away when he would talk to her and share these ideas with her. Well, the months went on, and, and we kept discussing this in group. As, as the six-month program came to a close, and he had dramatically improved his health, he says, I need to share something with you. He says, something I've learned in this course, that it's not just about our physical habits, but it's about our emotional attitudes. In the program, they learned about the power of love and the power of forgiveness. It says, one night as I was talking with my mother, we had, we had gotten into a very close discussion, emotional, nostalgic discussion about the past. And he said, this is my opportunity to ask this mother, why... Why are you not receptive to these principles? Why do you walk away when I share with you the benefits that I've received by following these principles? And he, he said to us in the group, says, my mother turned to me, put my, her arm on my shoulder and said, son, God is punishing me for the sins of my youth. I don't deserve to reverse diabetes. He said it just crushed his soul when he heard those words that his own mother did not feel that she was worthy to even participate in this ministry of healing model because she didn't deserve to become healthy again. She felt that it was God's will for her to stay sick. But as he began to share these principles of love and forgiveness, she gradually began to understand that God wants her to be well. That these principles are for healing of body, mind, and spirit. This is why I, I want to I encourage you, as Dr. Guthrie mentioned earlier, there's actually this free online health ministry that, I, that I've been involved with that is entitled 12 Weeks to Wellness and Optimal Health. You can actually register for it, or if you have family members or anybody that you're wanting to reach out to who's not open to spiritual principles, that is not open to the gospel message, have them just register on my website, dryoungberg.com. It's a totally free service, and every weekend a new program comes on for 12 weeks and it repeats. It's going to be on several television networks as well, but it's available week by week online. You can watch it on, on their own computer. So this series expands on, again, the ministry of healing model. All the things that we learned, 
from this wonderful book, The Ministry of Healing. In fact, I frequently refer to that very book in a way that will attract somebody who's not already interested in the gospel. So, does God care? Absolutely. We, we learn that, that um, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. This is a promise. God wants us to be healthy. Now, in the ministry of healing, there is clear information about the power of nutrition. The new science is actually called nutrigenomics. The power of nutrition in influencing our genes, on changing the way our genes work. So, so this is extremely powerful. In fact, there, there, was a, there was a study done a few years ago published in the British Journal of Psychiatry showing young violent offenders, young men who, who, if somebody just gave them a mild insult, would beat them up until they were senseless, extremely violent criminals. And they, they actually took these young violent men and gave them the simplest nutritional intervention you could give. They just simply gave them some mineral supplements and some omega-3 fatty acids. That's it. And so if, if I would have reviewed that study ahead of time and said, this isn't enough, that's not going to change anything. you got violent criminals here. You need to change the whole diet. You, in fact, you need to go way beyond that. You need, to, you need to address all the lifestyle variables. You need to look at the whole ministry healing model. But just to show you how powerful even a minimal nutritional intervention can be, after nine months in this double-blinded, placebo-controlled trial, they found that these young violent offenders who were actually receiving that little bit of nutrition had 35% less violent actions than the other group. 35%. They found that this was far superior to any anger management course or any other program that the Department of Corrections had ever offered. Nutrition is a powerful altar of emotion in the choices that we make and how impulsive we become as we, as we easily fall into temptation, which is the challenge that we all have in one way or another. So, is this part of your exposome? Your exposome is all the things in your life, the foods that you eat, what you drink, what you think, what you do, how you behave, uh, your environment, all the factors that influence the way your genes work. Or is this part of your exposome? You know, it's exciting that the way God created food for us, food to be eaten by us, deep, rich colors... These aren't just colors to attract us to the food. It is the actual, the colorful pigment itself that has been shown to alter the way the gene is expressed. It turns off the bad genes and turns on the good genes, the genes that promote health and healing. So take advantage of these colors. And I always tell my patients, when you're looking for colors, I'm not talking about Skittles or Fruit Loops or Fruit Pops, right? We're talking about colorful foods the way God prepared them for us in nature. So as powerful as 
nutritional medicine is in altering the way genes work, and even our emotions and our spirit, our attitude, is it the most important factor? And I'd like to suggest to you that it's not, because what if this is part of your exposome? Some of us can be really good about eating the right foods and exercising daily and, and like the rich young ruler, following all these rules all our life, but when it comes right down to it, we still haven't mastered our heart. We haven't mastered the way we treat other people. We haven't, we haven't fully taken advantage of the power of love in our lives and the power of forgiveness in our lives so that we could do the same with those around us that work with us or work for us. I, I remember, uh, this must be 25 years ago, I'd, I, was now, I was practicing at the Ocean Beach Medical Group in San Diego three days a week, but living in Loma Linda. So frequently I had this long drive and in rush hour traffic coming back from San Diego on the, on the 15 freeway. And, and they were doing construction on that freeway at the time. And, and free, we'd be stuck in these long lines of bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. And every once in a while, a car would get, kind of go off-road and, and drive a couple miles and then try to sneak in in front of somebody. And I remember seeing that, and I was upset by that. And I decided I wasn't going to let anybody sneak in in front of me, so I kept my, bump, my front bumper right next to the car behind, in front of me. And then one day, one day, I went, one late, uh, early evening, a car tried to cut in front of me, and I moved up real quick. And I remember on the, from the just, just peripheral vision, I noticed that this lady who was trying to cut in was like kind of upset. And as I turned to her, I went like this. Like, what's your problem? And as soon as I did that, I recognized her as the beautiful young lady that I had sat next to in biochemistry class. She was now a young physician. And that's the last time I saw her. I forgot her name. But for 25 years, I've thought about how I treated her, how I reacted out of hostility. And I remember that look on her face where she recognized me, and she was like, what? You know, that wasn't me, right? That was, wait, I, I want to go back and say, wait a minute, that's really not me. But it was, wasn't it? I had that inner level of hostility that came out under that stress. How do we handle stresses in our lives? When we're under stress in a committee or at work or on the road, wherever it might be, do we show our frustration or do we somehow help others recognize that there's something different about us, that we've been changed, that we've been transformed physically, emotionally, and spiritually because of what God has done for us? Because, see, the gospel could not go out with power if there's hostility in our hearts, if there's ego or pride in our hearts. So conflict, is, is that an ongoing risk factor in your life? 
Is it impacting your epigenome, the way your genes are expressed? And, and even Dr. Ornish would say that the number one factor that he feels is related to our tendency towards disease and inability to heal is what's going on in our hearts. The stress. Are we managing stress effectively? That's why he wrote one of his bestsellers called uh, uh, Love and Survival. Looking at all this science that shows that love is powerful. But we have an even better resource in the ministry of healing, which points us to the transformational power of Jesus providing us with the power of love in our lives. There was a great study conducted at University of North Carolina. This was, this was done in, in young medical students that were just finishing their training, and they, they were given this hostility personality inventory. It's evaluating how hostile their responses would be due to various real-life experiences. And they found that the half of the classes that were most hostile at 25 years old were five times more likely to develop heart disease by age 50 than those who were less hostile in their responses. The study also showed that they were seven times more likely to have died from all causes by age 50. This is huge. This is a bigger risk factor than just about anything that we see in medical science. And it all has to do with our attitude. See, many of us will think, well, that's just the way we are. That's just how I'm wired. You need to learn to accept me the way I am. Well, God does accept us the way we are, but he doesn't want to leave us that way, does he? Right? When, when, he, when he was challenged by the religious rulers of the day with Mary Magdalene thrown at his feet, found in adultery, he, he said, let him who is without sin, cast the first stone. He did not judge her, but he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. As, as, as Jesus sent out the 70 to the world, he said, behold, I give you power. He didn't say just, you know, as long as they believe in me, they can do whatever they want. He says, behold, I give you power. I give you the opportunity to have victory. So that you can be a people that model what it is to be truly Christian. This is true of, uh, of lawyers as well. Lawyers who, who had high levels of hostility were many times more likely to die prematurely than those, than those who, did, um, who handled stress and hostility situations more positively. Well, this is what I call gene recognition. You see, our genes recognize our choice of attitude. They recognize our spirit. They recognize what we're thinking. And if we choose to think in one way, in a negative way, that actually will cause this neuropeptide in the brain to be cleaved in an area that leads to stress hormones and depression and aggression. But if we choose to, to think in another way, in a positive way, 
That same neuropeptide is cleaved in another way that promotes joy, forgiveness, positive attitudes. There's a, there's a wonderful study uh, done by Dr. Richard Davidson at the uh, University of Wisconsin. He took a group of, of middle-aged women who were uh, coming in to get their yearly flu vaccine. And for just, for just seven, six to seven minutes prior to the vaccine, he had uh, these women divided into two groups. One group was told to just contemplate something that happened in your past that was wonderful, that was a blessing to you. Maybe the day you were married or the, the day you gave birth to your first child or whatever it might be. And, and just, just write down and contemplate just for six, seven minutes on that wonderful experience. The other group of, of, of middle-aged women were asked to focus on something that had happened in their lives that had embittered them something unfair. And just for six minutes, they journaled about this experience. They all received their flu vaccine. Six months later, they come back for blood tests to measure how well that vaccine worked in, in building up higher titers of the antibodies against that viral strain. And they discovered that the women who had just for six minutes been exposed to this very negative and bittering emotion had a dramatic decreased production of the antibodies that were there, that were supposed to be protective against that viral strain. The power of emotion is huge. There's a reason why there's a whole chapter in the book, Minister Healing, on mind cure. It's critical that we understand the power of how we choose to think. So there's, there's many, there's dozens and dozens of studies that look at the power of hostility in our lives. I, I can't tell you how many individuals that I've seen who come into me after being diagnosed with a, a, a horrible autoimmune disease or cancer or some other serious disease, and they, they explain that in the last 12 months they had been under a tremendous amount of stress, a horrible divorce, a loss of a job, something that brought them down emotionally or embittered them that they couldn't get past led to serious disease. Resentment. Having resentment against anybody is to allow a person that you may not even like to live rent-free within your own mind. The only answer is to forgive. That is the only answer. See, when hostility increases, the studies, these are the secular studies show that forgiveness decreases, but when forgiveness increases by choice, hostility and anger automatically decreases, and that is one of the most empowering physiologic, biologic factors in the healing process is to freely forgive. I recently read the biography of HMS Richard Sr. And in, in that biography, we learn about some of the major challenges he had working inside the church with other, other church leaders. And he says this, he says, you'll never do any great work without having to fight against the arguments of good men. 
You see, just because other people don't agree with us doesn't mean they're not good men. So we have to learn how to work together even with people who are impeding our progress and the goals that we have set because the most powerful witness to a sin-sick world outside is the ability to show love and forgiveness and work with those around us who don't see things the same way that we do. Very, very powerful lesson that HMS Richard Sr. tells in that book. So it's part of the cure to wish to be cured, but wishing to be cured isn't enough. So many of us want to be healthy. We want to experience certain blessings from God, but we have not taken advantage of our part in acting by faith on the very function that leads to transformation in our genes. It's that uniting the human with the divine. It's, It's that unification of the human and divine that leads to transformation. Not just believing what God has already done for us, but embracing that personally. A frequent text that I use with all my patients, Christian or not, is this, this principle, this, it's this not only spiritual principle, but physiologic principle, psychological principle, that we are not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we can choose to embrace this ministry healing model and be transformed. I love this this uh, uh, statement in Isaiah 58, that this is a promise for all of us who are interested in our health message that we shall be called repairers of the breach. We're living in a sin-sick world. There is a huge breach when it comes to health and healing potential. But we can be called restorers of the paths that dwell in. With the new science of genomic medicine, we actually can find where the paths are broken and we, be, we can show them how to heal those, those problems in the genomic pathways. These are biochemical pathways that are altered because of mutations and we can, we can actually modify that by understanding what's missing. It's a powerful new paradigm. So what are the principles in the gospel? The first principle is that forgiveness is to be continuous. Many times in business or in our relationships with each other, we can forgive once, but not twice. But we know from Christ's messages that we are to provide forgiveness continuously. It needs to be an attitude of the heart, not just an occasional thing we do. Secondly, the principle of little forgiveness leading to little love, but much forgiveness leads to much love. So those of us who recognize the, the healing power of forgiveness. You're reading the story of Mary Magdalene, who, who was feeling condemned by the words of Jesus when Jesus said, he who is not a sinner, let him cast the first stone. 
She felt, she felt that that was a death sentence on her life. But she was, she was amazed that no one picked up a stone to throw it at her. But she, her heart melted when she recognized the forgiveness that God had provided, that Jesus had provided for her. So when we forgive much, we help melt the hearts of people who reject God because of their relationship with us potentially. Third principle of forgiveness is that it is present and freely offered in love to the offender before they ask for it. See, in, in our in our typical human relationships, we say, well, I'll forgive that person, but they're going to have to come to me first. They're going to have to come and grovel before us. They're going to have to show that they have humbled themselves, and then, then maybe I'll forgive. But that's not, that's not what we are supposed to model as Christians. We're supposed to be willing to forgive even before somebody has any desire to be forgiven. We have to be willing to say to them, I forgive you, even though they spit in our face. That's hard, but that is, that is something that Jesus is ready to give us power to accomplish. The fourth principle is that God's forgiving mercy is to be the measure of our own. Once we appreciate this, once we, once we recognize our need for forgiveness, once we understand the sinfulness of our own lives and, and we ask God and repent of that, now we recognize that how can I not forgive others for the little things that they have done to us? And finally, if we confess our sins, God will abundantly pardon and cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Isn't that a wonderful promise? You see, forgiveness is the only prescription, the only elixir, the only balm of Gilead, the only healing agent in the entire universe that is powerful enough to unlock the chemical bonds of hostility, resentment, and bitterness in our lives. This, this is by far the most important struggle that we go through, being able to release that hostility, whatever it is, to completely release it and to ask God for the power to release it. But there is power. There is power to release that. And let me end with this story of Nancy. Some years ago, while I was um, doing lifestyle nutritional medicine at the Guam Seventh-day Adventist Clinic, where I spent 14 years, we had a, a comprehensive six-month lifestyle medicine program. And Nancy, who who, um, this is not her picture, she, Nancy was actually in her early 60s. She was getting ready to retire, and uh, she wanted to travel the world, and, and uh, 
she said, I just want to be healthy. I want to be able to live out my life feeling good and vibrant and be able to accomplish many more things now that I'm retiring. During the first couple months in the program, she saw her prediabetes reversed, her high cholesterol reversed, her high blood pressure was gone, no longer on any medication. She was so excited about this transformation that she had experienced in her health. But then three months in the program, after she had learned to appreciate these, these biological principles that come from the ministry of healing, we did that 50-question survey about hostility. The same survey that those doctors and lawyers had done at the University of North Carolina many years before. And as she filled out the questionnaire... And I presented that information to them. It took about 20 minutes for them to fill it out. And they self-scored it to see how hostile they were. How much aggression, the behavior of hostility, how much anger, the emotion of hostility, but also how much cynicism, the attitude of hostility. And it was all scored to see what level of risk they had. And I would see after people scored it, their jaws oftentimes would drop. The paper would drop on the floor. And they just couldn't believe that even after they had improved their health physically in so many ways, that the number one factor that influences genetic expression and the potential of health and healing was still having its negative impact on their lives. And I remember Nancy was one of those who literally the paper dropped from her hands. And I saw tears come down her, her face. And at the end of, uh, of my presentation after that survey, I said, is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there something that you need to bring closure to in your life? And I challenged them that, that they would not wait more than 24 hours before they did something about that one factor that they were thinking about right then. And, and I challenge you today as well. Is there anything in your life that you've never brought closure to? Is there some relationship or something that you said or something that influenced a, a falling out of sorts? So I said, let's do something about this in the next 24 hours. Let's do something about it so that those genes will no longer be working against us but for us. And Nancy came up to me at the end of my talk. She was crying. She said, Dr. Youngberg, says, can you pray with me because, and she told me her story. She said 20 years before, her very best friend and her bought homes next to each other in the same neighborhood. They did everything together. They raised their children together. They, uh, they, did, they ate together. They went on vacations together. But one day, her very best friend, her neighbor, her next-door neighbor, happened to say something about her teenage son that so offended Nancy that she yelled at her friend and says, Get out of my house. I never want to see you again. And she had not talked to her very best friend 
her next door neighbor for over 20 years. Whenever she would take the trash out uh, or go outside to get the mail, if her past very best friend was there, they would just turn and walk away. They pull in the driveway. If somebody was on the other lawn, they would just look away and walk into the house. For 20 years, this hostility continued to damage her health. And she says, now I recognize how foolish I was in not dealing with this right away, but what can I do now? It's been 20 years. I, I feel so foolish. So I prayed with Nancy, and I says, Nancy, God will show you the way. Do something within the next 24 hours. So that afternoon, that evening, after our group session, uh, she had a knock at her door. And it was her walking partner, another neighbor lady, who had begun walking with her because she was in a wellness program. And walking several times a day was so good for her. So she went walking with her other neighbor lady friend. And during that walk, she couldn't help but tell her walking partner what was on her heart. Her friend just listened to her, didn't say anything. The next morning, she heard her knock at the door. It was her walking partner for her scheduled exercise session. But her walking partner had another friend with her. It was her past very best friend. And as she, for the first time in 20 years, stared into the eyes of her past very best friend, she took those few steps down onto the sidewalk and stepped towards her and her friend stepped towards her and they embraced and they cried on each other's shoulders and, and she, Nancy said, I'm so sorry for what happened. I'm so sorry that I was such a bad friend. And they renewed their relationship that day and all three of them went for a walk together that morning with a restored relationship. So I challenge you, I challenge you this morning that it is powerful medicine. Forgiveness is essential to healing. That love is the main principle that we need to understand here. And that everything depends on the right action of the will. Through the right exercise of the will, an entire change may be made in the life. So I challenge you today. If you want to share this information with others. But the key principle here is that Jesus says to us, Behold, I give you power. There is power to change lives physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.